NPR. This morning at 3.28 a.m. Eastern, a press release came out saying that the bank First Republic had been seized by authorities and sold to J.P. Morgan. First Republic's assets were even larger than that of Silicon Valley Bank, whose failure in March accelerated First Republic's troubles. And this is everyone asking, how did we get into this mess? People like Columbia law professor Catherine Judge. The situation is temporarily contained but it has opened up a host of questions about the adequacy of our bank regulatory and bank supervisory framework. On Friday, there were a bunch of reports released about the failures of SVB and Signature Bank. The key one, though, the one that really gave a thump when you slammed it on the table, was the Federal Reserve's review into Silicon Valley Bank. And it's a shocker. It just makes the Fed look horrible. And so they're busy coming out saying, look, all of these other banks are safe and sound. But they've, like, managed to simultaneously kill their own credibility. This is The Indicator from Planet Money. I'm Waylon Wong. And I'm Darian Woods. Today on the show, what went wrong leading up to the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank? We're piecing together what sparked this banking mess and what could be done differently to stop more banks failing. This message comes from NPR sponsor Arctic Wolf. Their researchers have released the Arctic Wolf Lab's 2024 threat report. Why will 2024 be a volatile year for cybersecurity? Learn more and get your copy now at arcticwolf.com NPR. Support for NPR comes from ADP. Say you're in HR and a solar flare adds an extra hour to each day. How would this impact business? ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to help your business take on the next anything. ADP. Always designing for people. This message comes from Apple Card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase. That's 3% on products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Banks in the U.S. are regulated by a suite of laws, and they're supervised by a patchwork of agencies. But the primary regulator in Silicon Valley Bank's case was the Federal Reserve. So its review of what went wrong with Silicon Valley Bank is a big deal. To walk us through this 102-page report, we spoke with Catherine Judge. She's a law professor at Columbia University specializing in finance. She's also the editor of the Journal of Financial Regulation. So Catherine's phone has been burning hot since this very early morning. How are you doing? Doing well yourself. All right. <laughs> busy weekend, busy morning. It's important still to have this conversation, but there's just... A little too much going on. I wonder how many gallons of coffee she had consumed by the time you phoned her, Darian. (laughs) Yeah, and enough to supercharge a sleeping hippopotamus, I think. Catherine says the Federal Reserve's report was fascinating in how it revealed shortcomings in both banking regulation and supervision. I think what we're looking at is both a regulatory failure and a supervisory failure. In other words, she thinks there were major problems with the laws and how those laws were implemented by the Fed. Now, with the laws, the story started with the financial crisis in 2008. Congress responded by adopting the Dodd-Frank Act, which was rigorous overhaul of the regulation of the banking system. 
and it imposed a whole variety of new regulatory requirements that were meant to enhance the safety and soundness of the overall banking system. These requirements were things like making sure that the bank has more cash on hand to deal with depositors leaving. Also, stress tests, where the regulators run your assets and liabilities through a bunch of scenarios, like a fall in the housing market, to see if your bank can withstand problems in the economy. But all of that brought new costs to banks. Banks were forced to lend less than they wanted and dedicate more of their budget to legal teams and compliance. And if you're a smaller bank, those compliance costs can often eat up a larger share of your expenses. In the years following, one in three small banks disappeared. They either failed, merged with another bank, or were acquired. So it's against this backdrop that the banks fought back against this regulation. Among those fighting back was the CEO of Silicon Valley Bank, Greg Becker. He wrote to the Senate in 2015 saying that without carving out regulatory exceptions for mid-sized banks like SVB, the bank couldn't do as much cool stuff like lending to tech companies and would instead have to do more boring stuff like fuss with prudential requirements. No one wants that. Cool stuff only. (laughs) Yeah, There'll be less moving fast and breaking things. (laughs) So Congress responded with new banking legislation in 2018. In 2018, Congress and then 2019, the Fed collectively weakened the bank regulatory framework for large regional banks. The government raised the size at which banks were subject to those stronger regulatory requirements, meaning that Silicon Valley Bank didn't have to undergo as much compliance and stress tests. And neither did First Republic. So supporters of the deregulation would cite all those foundering small banks who didn't have the deep pockets for compliance that the big banks did. It's always a difficult trade-off with respect to how rigorous we want bank regulation to be. But ultimately, if banks cannot find a way to be profitable when subject to regulations that are the prudent and appropriate regulations in light of the risks that they pose to the broader financial system, then we need to rethink the structure and appropriateness of those banking organizations. But it wasn't just the laws that went wrong. How the supervisors at the Fed interpreted those laws was critical. Catherine identified several points of failure in this supervision. We further saw in the multiple reports released on Friday systematic failures in the supervisory scheme that supervisors were too slow to respond as risk grew and even when they accurately identified risks that might threaten the health of Signature, might threaten the health of SVB, they didn't act aggressively to force management to correct those risks. The Fed had raised 31 separate issues with Silicon Valley Bank that hadn't been resolved by the time it failed in March. That's a lot. So, for example, in late 2021, the Fed identified issues with how SVB did its internal stress testing. And in November last year, the Fed raised issues with SVB's interest rate risk modeling. And the rising interest rates causing its investments to collapse in value was a key driver of SVB's ultimate collapse. Supervisors did manage to identify a lot of the risks and many of the shortcomings at SVB, but they didn't identify all of them. They didn't appreciate how grave they were. And most importantly, even when they did identify a risk in a timely way, they didn't force change in a timely way. 
The vice chair for banking supervision at the time was a man named Randall Quarles, who was more on the deregulatory side of things. But perhaps even more importantly for him was ensuring regulation was applied predictably and evenly. This, however, created its own problems. It looks like there's just a lot of process for getting anything done. And process can sound good. It seems like an important way of creating accountability, of ensuring consistency. But what part of what we see in the report is those processes also created very meaningful frictions that really slowed down how responsive and how rapidly responsive the supervisory team could be. Fed staff felt pressure to collect more evidence before taking action against a bank, which would lead to delays or sometimes no action at all. Another one of the issues with the Fed was kind of relatable. When you hand something over for someone else to work on in your office, something can get lost along the way. Among the different challenges, because Silicon Valley Bank was growing, the supervisory team overseeing its operations changed. There was a transition to this new team. That new team saw that there were risks that Silicon Valley Bank had taken on that had not been adequately addressed, but they were hesitant to quickly downgrade a bank that had been given satisfactory ratings by the previous team. Wonder if they didn't want to offend the previous team at the Fed. I am a people pleaser, so I 100% relate to that. But you know what? <laughs> in this case, the stakes are really high. They are. So in your view, do you think the Fed dropped the ball here? Yes. The Fed clearly dropped the ball here. That being said, I think it was dropped over time. Right. Both the regulatory regime and the supervisory regime were tweaked in ways that undermined the capacity of those systems to really address the health of the banks in the way that they were designed to originally. I'm picturing the Fed with like an armful of bouncy balls and they just keep dropping all of the bouncy balls. <laughs> you know, where Catherine does give credit to the Fed is in putting out this report critiquing themselves so swiftly. She says it's a good first step to understanding what's been going rotten in the banking system. The show was produced by senior producer Viet Le with engineering by Catherine Silver. It was fact-checked by Sarah Juarez. Kate Cannon edits the show. The Indicator is a production of NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com slash switch. This message comes from NPR sponsor Greenlight. Want to teach your kids financial literacy? With Greenlight, kids and teens use a debit card of their own, while parents can keep an eye on kids' spending and savings in the app. Get your first month free at greenlight.com NPR. Why is everyone so obsessed with traditional wives or trad wives on social media? This week, we're talking about the viral videos of women making marshmallows and mozzarella from scratch and how behind the sheen of calm kitchens and cute fits, there's some interesting pessimism about our modern world. And that's worth digging into. Next time on It's Been a Minute from NPR.